My name is Angela. My name is Nicole. And welcome to the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Stitchers. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Ominous Stitch Podcast. We're back. Yay! Yay! <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like I just saw you. This is so good. You I did. love it when I see you in like multiple short. times. Yeah, in short segments, and it's not like I haven't seen my I best feel friend like ever. It's been ever. <laughs> no, it's so awesome. this is good. This is fun. Yes. Yay! We are back for another exciting week. Yeah. I am doing the story Yay! time today. Angel story time. Uh-huh. It always makes me nervous when I do story time, but I think this is going to be a really cool topic. I'm really interested in this topic, and it also scares the poop out of me, too, because when I dive into it, I always think that if I fall asleep, I'm going to. <laughs> you scare me every experience. time you're telling me about this. I was like, no, don't, don't do that. Oh, we're going to do NDEs, near death experiences, in today's Ooh. podcast. So we're going to do mostly stories and kind of. Just a little touch on the background of why these ha- things happen and just kind right. of shared experiences of it. And, and I think it's such a fascinating topic. It's fascinating. And it's it's insane. You were telling me a little bit, and I won't spoil anything, but just the amount of people that go through this. Yeah. The amount of, like, actual people who claim what they see, you know, yeah, and they yeah, tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is it real? Is it not? I What's don't know. It's so I, I'm fascinated by the prospect. I mean, I have my thoughts, but we can get into that when we get into story time. Yes. But when we get to stitch time, I'm so excited. Kisa, you have the cutest thing and the cutest story that you're doing with these. Oh, I can't so wait cute. to hear about that. Yeah. But before we do that, we're yeah, like yeah. doing everything backwards right now. Uh, we're what's got you in yeah, stitches cool. this week? Stitches. So it <laughs> <laughs> it goes along with I'll be um, needing stitches. it's gonna go along with uh with crochet time because i'm gonna be doing that today so what's crazy well not crazy but we go through starbucks coffee like no other i think (laughs) (laughs) we love our coffee and starbucks i mean i've worked at starbucks you know a long time well you're from seattle and i'm from seattle (laughs) you know i very and my my brother works for starbucks hey you so you know it's it's a great company and i love it and so we and i we love coffee so there you go so every week um we i get coffee before i come over and podcast and she spoils me uh, no (laughs) no no but um what I thought of doing was, you know, to, to brighten up the baristas days and also to just kind of, hey, hey, we have a podcast because we, we're doing this. <laughs> we have a podcast. We have a podcast. And your coffee is very special to that podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so the um, I, I crocheting the coffee cups that we'll talk about today at, at Stitch Time. Yeah. But, um, but I, I make them and then I give one so far. I've only done two, but I give them to a barista. I'm like, hey, I'm here weekly. Here's yes. a little thing for you, and it makes their day, and it's, know, so it's so sweet. Cute. So you last, have to film it. Yeah, I know. I will film it next time. So the last time I did it, I gave it to her, and she was just complaining because she saw this huge, big, like, group of bikers together, uh-huh. <laughs> like motorcycles. 
and they were huge and they were all walking towards Starbucks and she saw it and she's like oh my gosh we're about to get really busy and I'm like I'm so sorry I go here have this and she's like oh and it totally changed her demeanor and she's like thank you and I was like yeah awesome help you you know hope your day goes better I hope uh-huh. it, you know so she was so happy and today same thing she was just kind of doing her routine and then I go hey this is for you I'm here weekly you know and she looks at it and her like face like just lit up it was the yeah. sweetest thing she's it's like so oh. cute. yeah and she's like oh my gosh and she's like showing people I'm like bye <laughs> and I drive off, you know. but I, I'll film it next time but I'm just trying to do this every time just so that you know they are aware they're gonna probably get our coffee drinks perfect now because <laughs> I know that's so nice <laughs> every time they're like what's your name my name's this my your name what's your right. name I'm like Nicole, I'm Nicole. Lady. Yeah. <laughs> I should say that but yeah so it's it's exciting so I'm really happy to make their day and also to you know give um what we're doing to people yeah and it's so cute and you put we have these little labels and she puts the little labels on so they're very cute right Kate you just got one too that's right (laughs) you got one as your patron she got a she got a little tea bag bookmark that Angela did covered in one of her episodes I made one yeah and then um, I made her a coffee cup so yeah they're adorable I'm gonna keep pounding them out because they're really easy to do and like I said we'll go over that, go in, stitch that in stitch time, time. Yeah. yeah but Angela yeah what's got you in stitches what has me in stitches indeed we are about to go to this camp that we went to last summer and despite the fact that I got COVID while we were at camp it was the best week ever it was so much fun Yay, COVID camp. So we're going to go back and hopefully, no, no COVID (laughs) camp. Hopefully I won't get COVID this year. But um, it's a family camp where the best part is like everything is done. I don't have to worry about meals. I don't have to worry Uh, about doing anything. I just get to go and enjoy. And they have adult activities as well as kid activities. And the kids go off with the counselors. And then you meet up with with them at mealtime but there's yoga there is Ooh, yoga like massages Ooh. there's happy hours there's like hikes and canoeing and archery my husband and I did a lot of archery last year because we both discovered hey this is cool I archery love fun. archery you do I you've do. taken archery classes yes before. I'm yeah. gonna do it again and there's just a bajillion activities to do at That's this camp so you're cool. never gonna be bored but, you know, your kids go off with the counselors. They're doing stuff so you can go off and enjoy things that you want to do with your spouse. Because, you know, you know, if you have kids, you never have time with oh, your spouse. Oh, never. So it's really cool. It's an awesome camp. We love it. And they always do like theme nights. So this week or ne- when we're going to camp, the theme for that week is Harry Potter. Yay. Which is so much fun. So much. And uh, my whole family took the sorting hat quiz and uh, we are Hufflepuffs. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I about. am. Yeah. It's really funny because my daughters and I, we took the quiz and we all scored the same where we were Hufflepuff, but like just barely Ravenclaw over Ravenclaw. Yeah, that's yeah. me too. That's you too. Yep. Hufflepuff with strong yep. Ravenclaw tendencies. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that I thought that was really interesting that the three of us all had the same. That's so cool. And then my husband and my son had the same too. And they were equal all four houses. Weird. Right? Isn't how do that you weird? Do that? Like then how do you distinguish what I you... don't well at that point the sorting hat is like you get to That's choose. That's right. And so um what my, did they choose? Well my son was like which one's closest to the kitchens? <laughs> <laughs> Hufflepuff. I was like Hufflepuff yeah, yeah. come join team Hufflepuff. And then my husband's like, oh, I'm gonna be Slytherin. And my kids were <laughs> of like, Of course. No! <laughs> and he started laughing. He's like, I'm a Hufflepuff. Yay! 
So I just made Hufflepuff hats for all of us. I to love wear. that. So I've been crocheting my little butt off making. Hufflepuff You're so hats quick at them too, though. Oh, the hats are fun. I yeah. love doing the hats. They're they're a quick project for me because like I started doing them because my kids were ice skating and they needed hats, mm-hmm. and so I made hats for them. And then all their skate instructors were like, "We want a hat!" So exactly. I started making hats for them. And so I just started making hats for a lot of people. So I just whip them out. Yes. And I'm learning too now. You are. You're making your own hats. I know. I was texting Angela like all weekend before. And I was like, what do I do this round? What do I do do this round? What do I do? Wait, wait, wait. What? What? This is, this is the next one. What color change? This is the best part. Cause she's like, (laughs) when do I color change? And she's like, oh, I can just look at the hat that you made me (laughs) (laughs) to see when I color change. And I just started laughing so hard. I was like, I'm smart. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And then even then I still messed it up. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. That's okay. I'm learning. It's so learning curve. But that's so cool. You're gonna have so much fun. I can't wait. Is it gonna be be too hot to wear hats though? Or is it nighttime? No, because it's up in the mountains, so it's gonna be nice and cool. I think it's supposed to probably be in the seventies during the day. And then it cools off in the fifties at night. So yeah. Well, you know, bust out the hats for nighttime and early morning. Oh, that'll be great. It'll be fun. Yay. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. I'm worried about the farm, but it should be in good hands because my in-laws are wonderful people and they're going to come take care of all the animals. And uh, we have, you job. know, 42 animals to take care of. So Wait, I feel like you have more. <laughs> no, we have. So there are 31 chickens. Oh, 31. Okay. And there are nine alpaca. Okay. And then a dog and a kitty. And then a dog and a kitty. So 42. I feel like you'd have Hashtag more. Hashtag because math. <laughs> At one point, I'm sure you'll get more. And then, well, we have the barn cat, but, you know, oh, you can kind of take care of yeah, Shadow. Yeah, yeah. He can own. take care of himself. This morning, he was carrying around a, a rabbit. So, <laughs> like, okay, you wow. So, I'm sure Good he's going to sleep the whole day in my garage because usually when he has a big kill like that, he sleeps he's the happy. whole day away. Yeah. <laughs> I just give him a little water. I'm like, here you go, bud. <laughs> well, you're going to have so much fun at camp. Yes. So much fun. You'll have to tell us how it goes. I will. I hope you don't get COVID. Me too. (laughs) Any of your family. Me too. (laughs) Knocking on wood. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, all right. So are we ready to get stitching? And you can tell us how this wonderful, cute little coffee cup is made. Please. Okay, let's get stitching. This week's uh, pattern that I got for free, 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 free pattern. Yeah, it's from the website myamigurumifarm.com. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Isn't that adorable? That's adorable. Myamigurumifarm.com. And this one is a free crochet coffee cup pattern. What I like about this pattern, if you like to crochet, especially amigurumi, is that um, I've, I've crocheted maybe a few coffee cups now, but this one actually has a cute little top rim. So there's like this part where you get towards the end and it's a front front loop only. Oh, yeah. okay. So bottom, bottom has a back loop only to yes. kind of close that off, but then the top has a front loop only, and that's what gives us this rim. Oh, you see that? I it's see. so cute. Very cute. It's adorable. So that's what I like about this one. And then you do the little coffee cup on top. You do a big round. Now, for me, just as a heads up, I don't know about what yarn you're using, but sometimes it just depends. If I use really tiny yarn, like I'll put pictures on this one, but if I use tiny, tiny yarn, 
I don't have a yarn that, well, I kind of do that matches it, but it doesn't, once you finish it, it's too big. Oh, so you have to do less rounds yes. to put when you're doing the coffee. Yeah. So yeah. when you're doing the coffee, just keep an eye on it. I, I mean, I just eyeballed it. And then I was like, when I did the finished, it was like way too big. And so I kind of just took out a few. Yeah. And the stitches. And then I was like, okay, this yeah. works. Because that happens like when you're changing colors, if you don't have the right size yarn, you yes. have to use a, a different gauge yarn. And yeah, exactly. Happens. So I did that with both because I, I, I crochet pretty like evenly when I'm attaching the coffee cup after I stuff. And so I always have more on the on the round one than I do like the actual. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just weird like that. So just keep an eye on it. That was the only kind of hiccup I had. Um, you can do whatever you want. It's really cute. She puts little eyes and then like a little pink under the eyes for cheeks. Yeah. So I did that. And then cheeks. one of them I added a smile when I didn't. So it's you can do whatever you want. But I used a thicker yarn for one of them. I'll show you on a picture on Instagram in Facebook but I did a bigger one and it like came out huge it's so cute <laughs> right but that's um come on that's a, like it's okay so you have like an espresso cup that's right a little one that's a little true. Espresso and cup. an actual coffee cup and then yeah an yeah. actual coffee cup and then I'm sure if you use chunky yarn you'll have the size coffee cup that Mike Myers Mike Myers has <laughs> and so I, I married an axe murderer the big cat I ordered the, the large I ordered the, the small is this the large, large yeah <laughs> anyway but yeah you can do whatever size you want it's pretty cool and then the handle I don't know why I always have a problem with putting it evenly on one side like this one has it way back I don't know why you can't tell much right That's, no it's fine it looks good yeah anyway I'm always gauging terribly but yeah so it's really fun and again it's super easy it's going in the round so you're not um like slip stitching and adding like it's not like a perfect round so oh, okay that's why in the top part you'll see like I have a little lip there yeah because it's not you're not it's slip not stitching round. to connect yeah you're just keep going yes. in the round. okay gotcha. so but there is a technique they say if you slip stitch in the next one and then kind of finish off it should be okay but I always I don't know either way it's the same but what I do usually just as a fun trick is I once I'm done I cut it I pull it through yes I think I did this I talked about this before and then what I do is I take my needle my threading needle and I th I put it into the next one I put the string into the next one and then I loop back and I put it into the loop in the back like one of the sides mm -hmm. so it kind of like leaves it seamless yes you see that yeah yeah it looks good yeah you finish it very well yeah. I need to work on my finishings well <laughs> when I get to that point I'm just kind of like ah, whatever <laughs> I'm done yeah I'm done I, I feel don't you do anymore that. <laughs> no that's why when it's when I'm doing like the bigger ones when I'm trying to like put together like heads and bodies I'm like yeah. I just want to get this done and that's yeah. why they're like arms are like not proportionate the arms are all wonky. <laughs> they're like but it's cute they're like they've got personality yeah. you know so anyway but yeah so check it out myamigurumifarm.com it's the free crochet coffee cup pattern you can I love it so you get a lot of freedom you can choose whatever size of um, yarn you want to do what colors whatnot it took me about I'd say if I was like doing it straight continuously because I can't because I have family yeah. <laughs> but it, I think it would take about an hour and a half no more oh wow yeah That's it's very fast quick. yeah and they're super cute yes and you get to brighten your barista's day. Yeah, bring them to your baristas yeah. if you ever go get coffee or just stack them in your office and give them to your coworkers. I don't know. Do whatever you want with them. Yeah. But. I will say that the baristas that we have at the Starbucks, because there's like two Starbucks that we kind of go to. Yeah. 
now that I moved, there's one Starbucks that we kind of go to. But they're just so fun. They're, they're really nice. So nice. Everybody's super friendly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's I funny. Really like it. Real quick, funny story is, yeah. um, what is it, July 4th weekend, so a while ago, Yeah, we tried to go to a breakfast place, and it was closed, <laughs> and we're like, great, it's closed, so I was like frantic, and I had, it was like, I need coffee, so I went to a Starbucks that was like not too far, and we get in line, and the guy's like, hi, what do you want? <laughs> Like, you're uh, like, are, do you work at yeah, Starbucks? Like, do you know where you are? <laughs> and my husband commented too. He's like, does does he realize that he's at Starbucks? He probably shouldn't be at the you know the drive through. Yeah. But then what's funny is we get to the drive through and he's like super nice and friendly. And I was like, so you're just terrible with the headset apparently. Oh, that's it's like funny. give it to somebody else. That's so funny. Yeah, Starbucks. Yeah. So. Anyway. No, I love, I love, there's one male barista that we go to and he's always like, oh, that's fabulous. And he's like talking about the yeah. drinks that you made. I love him. Yes, he's, he's so my cool. favorite. So I'm saving. Shout this. out to you. Yeah. I don't know who, what your name is, but. I'm saving this one for Are him. you? Yes. We have a special cup for you. Yeah. That's so cute. So whenever I see him, I haven't seen him yet. Let me give that uh, one to him. So. Yeah. yeah. If you're listening, we yeah. gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so that's stitch time. I'm really, really excited about story time. Oh, me too. Are we ready for this? Yes. It's story time. Okay, Stitchers. So today's topic is near-death experiences. NDEs. NDEs. So before I dive into NDEs, we're going to talk a little bit about what they are, but mostly I want to share some stories and then kind of talk about some commonalities that happen with that. But before we do that, I want to know, do you have any personal experience with NDEs? Not you. I know you haven't had one. I was like, one, uh, But I do you not. know <laughs> anybody that has, or do you have any stories no, or connections to them? I don't. Okay, so fun fact about me, death for me is is such an odd topic. Thank you. She fixed my hair. Um, it's because I don't, I thankfully knock on wood, I haven't been around it um, a lot. And when it does, it hits me hard because I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Because growing up, I've only had, you know, I've had um, my grandfather passed away when I was seven years old. But other than that, everybody, like my other grandparents and people, you know, they all passed away before me. Um, my grandmother passed away in the Philippines, but that was, she's so far and I didn't know her very well. Yeah. So, yeah. So death is such a, it's interesting, very hard topic. Yeah. But I have nobody that has like been like there and close to it that has come back. Yeah. What about you? So it, it's about 30 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So okay. I <laughs> high school. Woohoo! How old am I now? <laughs> so I was in high school when this happened. And this, this is when the, I think this kind of sparked this fascination for me. Because, you know, I grew up in Texas and it was a very religious area. So, of course, I believed in heaven and hell and sure. and all of, you know, that. That's how you grew up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All, everything that goes with being a Christian, what you're taught that way. But when I was in high school, and um, again, this is 30 years ago, a lot of details about this are going to be insanely fuzzy because I don't remember a lot about it's a it. While. It's been a long time. Some things are very vivid, but um, most of it is very fuzzy. So I'll let you know when something's vivid. And then some of it, I could just, my memory could be completely wrong on how I'm remembering this because again, 30 years ago, right? Sure. So, but when I was in high school, I was at a party at a friend's house 
And I think it was my, I want to say it was my sophomore year in high school. So that's why I'm saying it was 30 years ago. So it was uh, 94, I think 93, 94, around there. Um, Because I know I was partying with some older friends and I think some of them had already started with their freshman year in, in college. So that's kind of where I'm dating this. Got it. And uh, we had some friends. Now, it, I went to a very large high school. There were over a thousand kids graduating in my class alone. So it's we a had a four to five thousand kids in wow. that high school, nine yeah. through senior. So yes, I knew a lot of kids, but I didn't know a lot of kids. And then we kind of ran in different circles with some of these kids. But there was a car full of boys that were going from one party to another party and uh, had a big car accident. Oh, no. And uh, at least one of the boys was not wearing seatbelts. Uh-oh. And lost his life in oh, the car accident. Oh, no. That's and sad. I remember, this is the part that's vivid to me, is I remember being at this one party. I think they were on their way to the party that I was at. They okay. were at a different party and then heading to the party that I was at. And I just remember one of my friends that was at the party just like went pale because I think he got a phone call and found oh, out what happened. Okay. And he went pale and he just kind of sat there for a second and then got up and left and threw up. And we were like, okay, you weren't really drinking that much. Like, you know, high school party, of course, there's alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, what's going on? But he didn't really want to talk about it. And then some other kids were just kind of getting very like, um, agitated and everyone was like kind of running all over the place in chaos and then people started crying and then there were whispers going around I was like what happened mm. and then that's when I found out that there was a big car accident and um, one of our friends had lost his life I didn't really run in circles with him that much I know he played soccer and was on the the men's volleyball team club team and I was hanging out with some other other the men's uh, volleyball players because I played volleyball too so yeah we were all hanging out together got it so anyway now things are going to get a little bit more fuzzy because I remember that moment being very vivid where where I found out death had occurred right and the next weeks that followed um, a lot of stories were coming out about things that were going on with that. And I don't know if this next kid, I don't remember what his name was. I didn't run in his circles, but I either he was in the car or he was in the hospital for another reason. But this is the kid that had the near death experience. So he was in a coma Mm -hmm. and um, was close to death uh, during the coma but he survived and came back to school weeks later after this event had happened and some interesting things had happened to him while after he had revived and come back to school and so some things that he could do he would get these headaches but he could do math faster than a calculator and so that was like a really interesting thing that people and he didn't do that before no not at all. Not at all. But he could just sit there and people were like, what's, you know, this big number times this big number? And he'd just rattle it off real wow. quick. And then everyone's like, oh, he paid the calculator. You know, just like little quote unquote party tricks, but things that he could do. That's insane. And then he would talk about the experiences that he had while he was in his coma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember hearing stories about there being like this big tree he would go to. 
And one of the boys that had lost his life in that accident was there at the tree. And so he would have conversations with him. Dude, it's uh, it's the Black Panther. The Black Panther. Oh, yes. Isn't that funny? This is way before the Black Panther. But yeah. But he go. remember when he he's not dead, but it's, right. I think he's supposed to be seeing the spirit world and it, right. it's in a tree. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Weird. Tree of life. Yes. Okay. So, so anyway, so he had messages from our friend that had passed that he needed to go share. And so I remember he had to share a message with the, the kid's parents and he knew things that he should not have known. Do you know what the messages were? No, uh, I never a- asked him that because it was here. Yeah, it's right, personal. It's personal. I know, I know. So, um, and he didn't share those personal things, but he would share just random facts. And we're like, how do you know these things? He's like, because they're telling me. Wow. Like the, the, the people that have passed are telling me these things or they told me these things. So he went and delivered the messages that he needed to deliver. And as soon as he had delivered the last one, the headache stopped and, and he couldn't do his math party trick anymore. Um, That's so interesting. So it just completely stopped. It completely stopped. Yeah. So that got me really interested in what happens Sure. When you like, there really is something that happens when you die. So, like me personally, I believe that our spirits we're guided by energy, right? That's the we're life all, force. That's all we are. Yeah, yeah, we're just energy in a shell. Yes. And so our shell allows us to move and function and uh, interact in the physical world. But once our shell deteriorates mm-hmm. and no longer can contain our energy, then what happens to our energy? Right. Everybody has a different sense of what that. Some people don't even believe it goes anywhere. Isn't right. They just think that it's done. We're gone. We're done. I don't believe that. I, I believe our energy transcends and we go into a different realm, dimension, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. where our energy moves in a different way. We aren't bound by physical time, time, physical space. We aren't bound by any of that. We're just part of everything. Right. Yes. And so a lot of different cultures reconcile that in many different ways. Right. So we're going to talk about what an NDE is or a near death experience is. Let me dive into this real quick. This is from what website am I on? <laughs> Where am I? The, the New York Academy of Sciences. And this is an article called What Near Death and Psychedelic Experiences Reveal About Human Consciousness. First of all, if you ever want to research this, there is so much out there. This oh, is sure. probably one of the most easiest research things that I've ever done. And it was more about like, how do I want to approach this topic? And how do I want to talk about it? So I think we're going to do a lot of just stories and talk about commonalities. But I wanted to approach it by really finding the the scientific evidence that we have. Yes, we're going to do people's personal stories. But I wanted to dive into like, kind of what science has done with it because there are a lot of researchers out there that are researching this that are putting together um a sense of what an NDE is and and how to explain how they happen and how you know because we don't know we don't know such a mystery yeah so 
NDEs have been documented across many different cultures and have been known since ancient times. We're talking about something that could be hundreds of thousands of years old, said Brian C. I'm going to mess up your name and I'm so sorry. Nyaroscu? Yes, I think so. Uh, (laughs) He's an author of the 2020 book called The Immortality Key. And it describes the scientific evidence for the ritual use of, well, this is about using psychedelics to help transcend your body and move into that fun physical world, right? Kind of psychedelic. (laughs) (laughs) But that's how people are trying to, without having an NDE. Did you ever see the movie Flatliners? Yes. Oh, we could have watched that for this. (laughs) (laughs) She's hitting my arm. We're like, whoa, we could have watched a totally different movie. Well, that's okay. The movie we watched was. It still fits fine but yeah oh man that was a good one but yeah flatliners oh my gosh did they have like it wasn't it um what's his name 24 guy Kiefer Sutherland Kiefer Sutherland yeah Kiefer Sutherland was it Julia Roberts Julia Roberts right that was a great movie that was a great movie maybe we'll do that one (laughs) we'll come back and revisit an episode maybe yeah Ooh. yeah yeah. but anyway yeah okay anyway (laughs) side note let's get back (laughs) on here so uh, they've been around for thousands of years. So near-death experiences or NDEs are deeply affecting, often mystical episodes. And experts call them periods of disconnected consciousness that affect people who are close to death or in situations of grave physical or emotional danger. They're commonly marked by feelings of floating outside one's body mm. and the sensation of moving towards a bright light as well as with encounters with de- dead relatives. That's what a lot of these NDEs, and I, I r- tried to research them because a lot of them are presented on a more religious side there are so many so many people that are like it's god and it's proof of heaven and all that but i was like are there more a more scientific side because not everybody believes in heaven and hell and have people that don't believe in heaven and hell have these experiences and what are those like or people that have a different religious base Hinduism, yes. many gods, yes. Buddhism. Yes. Yeah. And they all have a very common theme of being removed from your body. So a lot of a lot of them will have moments of kind of astral projection mm. where you're just removed from your body and you're observing what is happening to you I've in the moment. Read and seen a lot of those stories. Right. And yeah. so some people find that very frightening yes. and so we'll talk about that experience because not all NDEs are positive right which are I quite you told me scary. that before and I was like holy yeah. cow and we'll get into that too and and then some but a lot of people observe they can observe what's happening to their body in the moment right and then they know that they're being pulled away so sometimes it's very objective where they're just like oh that was my physical shell and sometimes they're very comforted and okay with the fact that they're observing. Sometimes they're not and they want to get back into their body. But then they start moving towards a tunnel mm. and they're separate from their body and mm-hmm. they're just an entity that's moving. And a lot of times they're comforted along that journey with loved ones or the what they believe is love. But they feel at peace. They feel happy. They feel uh, just okay with the situation. They feel comfort. They feel comforted by the other beings that are surrounding them. Sometimes they can see the beings faces. Sometimes they can't. Sometimes it's just 
that sensation of love, mm-hmm. but they're always moving towards a light. There's usually one physical being at the end of the light mm-hmm. that really makes them feel all-encompassing love. But then at some point, all of that gets kind of sucked away and they get put back into their body. So that's a very common theme with with what happens with these NDEs. Oh, interesting. Isn't that interesting? So now we're going to move on to, this is the Magus Center, which is a center that collects, they study it. Yeah. So they, they, they study NDEs. And you can donate to them or whatever. Can we but work for them? <laughs> TheMagiCenter.com. So this is on their, their blog and they collect uh, near-death experience stories. And we're going to go over some of them too in a little bit. But this is a pattern of recurring elements that happen in the NDEs. Okay. So let's see. For a near-death experience to occur, one must have limited brain function, yet still have a sensory experience without full use of their physical senses. In the United States alone, about 9 million people have reported experiencing an NDE. million. In the U.S. alone. In our country. Yes. Crazy. These patients' reports reveal a pattern of several reoccurring elements. These elements include out-of-body experience, accurate visual perception while out of the body, astral projection, and accurate auditory perception while out of the body. So they can see and hear what is happening to Mm -hmm. them. Feelings of peace and painlessness. I like that. Yes. Light phenomena, uh, encountering with loving white light. So that's that idea Peace. of traveling towards. Uh, Go oh, to the light, my the child. Light. <laughs> you said stay out of the light. <laughs> Go to the light. Uh, a life review. So a lot of people will have a very objective review of what yeah. they experience during life. Okay. Um, and there are theories behind that. Um, being in another world. That's not being one. here. Not being here. You're transporting to another world. A lot of people talk about it being like a celestial plane, like mm-hmm. you're in space and right. you're moving towards a different heavenly body. So encountering other beings. So whether they're pigmen or <laughs> that's one of my favorite stories. Or uh, they are faceless or you do see their faces, but they are people that don't look like us. don't they either don't look like us Uh so there's that or there are people that that you may not recognize a lot of people will be surrounded by people that they don't recognize Mm. but then later on they'll go back and see a photo and be like oh I saw that person they're like oh "Oh, that's your great grandma that you never met that's so cool isn't that cool so we'll maybe talk go through some of those stories too okay and uh, they also go through a tunnel experience. So that's that I'm in a void of nothingness and I'm moving towards this light. Or I'm in this big celestial plane and I'm moving towards this one particular light. Sure. Those are similar experiences. In Japan, they're traveling on a river. Wow. That's what they feel. I love that they're representation. River. And precognition. So that's another thing. Mm. Yes. So they're able, when they come back? Yes. Oh. So they can have like the... They can see what, yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? I like that. Yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting thing. So that's, those are very common near-death experiences in the U.S. So now we're going to dive into some stories so that we can see 
what uh, these near-death experiences are. So we're going to go into some of them here. This first one is very recent. Ooh. And this is about how a near-death experience changed the way that this person lived. And, and that's like a very it. common thing that happens when you come back from the other side. Your perception of death has changed so much because now like, you have an experience of what that is. Right. And I feel like that just as a maybe, I don't know if it's right or not, but I feel like you you enjoy life more. Yes. So a lot of people, it's it's really interesting. There are support groups that that for people that have gone through near-death experiences. Oh, wow. Because a lot of people, once they come back into their body or once they're told that they're going back, they don't want to. Right. Because they're surrounded. They've never they're so felt happy. That, that presence of love and, and whatever. And then they go back into their bodies and it's hard and it's cold. And, yeah. And they don't want to do you that. You have all the feelings. Right. And so it can be really hard sure. to go back into that presence. So there are support groups for people That's that are that have had near-death experiences. And they want to understand more about what it was that they experienced. And they want to believe that what they experienced was real mm -hmm. and not just something that their brain created for them while they were in that unconscious yes. state or dead, really. Mm -hmm. um, so... I kind of want to be a fly on the wall in one of those meetings. In one of the support yeah. groups. Yeah. And, and to see what that's like. But that's that's where you'll have like a lot of uh, psychologists and stuff. Oh, sure. And just sitting there talking to you. So a lot of people do require therapy after that. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of people really feel that it's their duty to share that message of love and to comfort everybody and say, heaven is real. Mm. So a lot of people will become religious after this and be like, Interesting. I fully believe that there is a heaven now. But still and like, see, that throws me off because I get it. I get that, yeah. you know, in Christianity and, and that's the, you know, if you do good, that's where you go. Yeah. But I feel like if you root yourself into that one specific, you, you pigeonhole yourself because maybe that's not, you know, maybe that's something completely different. Right. But the fact that they just, you know, throw it all like, that's Jesus, you know. Right. So there are a lot of websites that do that. And yes. so some people that may have been a little bit religious, but that's the way that they feel comfortable yeah, sure, they explaining it. their experience, right. right? But you're saying because there's stories that are non-Christian. There are lots of stories that are non-Christian. Yeah. There are stories where it seems very alien. Yeah. There are stories. I've read that one. Right. And then there are stories where people relate to it. You know, I, I have a whole big study of uh, from India. So a lot of Hinduism and, and their idea of the gods when they go meet mm -hmm. these certain gods. That's like, remember when we did the... Um, uh, the one that was the past life experience mm -hmm. with the little girl. Yeah. She was in India. Yes. And she described yes. what she went the through. The reincarnation. Yes. 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 That's what that reminds me of. Right. Too. Yeah. Right. And we'll get to some of those stories because those are interesting. Yeah. But, and, but, you know, but it, if you do have some kind of a religious experience with that, it'll help strengthen that bond. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. if they feel their experience led them to meeting Jesus or meeting God or that's how they related to it 
that will strengthen that relationship mm-hmm. and they feel like they need to spread that message more. Got it. Uh, for people like the firefighter who his was more of an alien experience. So Angela's referring. Like was, yeah. I love this story. I'm going to let Nicole share. Oh, it I'll be really me. briefly. Okay. Me and TikTok, obviously. Yeah. Um, TikTok. No, no. So I showed her this one where it was a firefighter explaining his near death experience where he, he basically floated through space and cosmos and felt like he explained it as what was it? Happiness orgasm, like just celestial orgasm. He was right. just so happy and loving and everything felt great. Yes. It was like immense. So he's like basically floating through space. Yes. And then he lands in this area where he sees these pig face people. <laughs> yes. I love the pig. But it was really funny because he said that they were really funny. They're and nice. They were really charming. And yeah. he loved them. But they did not and look they, like humans. They didn't look like humans. And they're like, oh, you don't remember us, do exactly. you? Exactly. I thought that was an Wasn't interesting comment. Yeah. So he and, was there before. But they were like, they were giggling and laughing with him. But yeah, he had yeah. been there before and they were wanting to know about his experience. Exactly. And he was like, what? And they're like, oh, you don't know who we are. Ha ha. Yes. And was laughing. Totally forgot them. them and then there was a, a the being the being who he recognized as like a male figure he was like almost like a father figure yes and it was pure love yes is what he Just smiles all smiles all happiness like what did you learn we're so happy to have you back. And he just felt like crying pretty much because he was just so happy to be able to see this, this entity again. Yes. But then part two, I didn't catch. I know. I know. <laughs> Obviously That's he all we went got to. back to yes. his body. And, and he was like, he was saying how, like, like you were saying, which I'm sure you'll, you'll share a story soon, but how back on earth, he had all these emotions of anger and hatred and just such terrible fe- depression. And he didn't feel any of these going after his journey he just like that was just melted away yeah and I love that yeah you feel nothing but peace yes and calm and serenity and love love yes absolute love which love. I think is very awesome yeah that's not everybody's experience we will get to <laughs> other sides <laughs> which of I'm excited for actually but, but he did say he was like the one thing about it was that on earth we do feel those occasionally like mm-hmm. when you get married when you find that love or you win that baseball game you have glimpses of it exactly yes. and you that encompassing feeling that's those little tiny glimpses yes those little glimpses yeah so people will become more they want to spread the message right so whatever message they have they want to spread that that there is something that happens afterward but it's not always good it's not always good so I want to hear those. There are people I know. Well, I want to tell some good stories <laughs> okay, and then we'll okay, talk okay. about the non-good okay. stories. But there are people that um, they feel more charitable afterward yeah. because it doesn't matter. Things what happens don't on matter anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. They feel more at peace with death whenever that's going to happen because they know that there is it's something okay. beyond this. Yeah. And so they enjoy the smaller things. They take time to really enjoy what you get to experience while you're here on this earth right and so material appreciate everything yeah they appreciate people they appreciate time right they don't necessarily appreciate the material stuff anymore because that doesn't really matter shouldn't what really matters is love and searching for that feeling that you Mm -hmm. get to have eternally afterward you know what makes me feel that way what coffee coffee (laughs) you have all the coffee you want in heaven (laughs) i was just thinking like you know things but maybe coffee (laughs) so that's um what i love about the vast majority of the stories that i've read 
So let's share Yay. some of the good stories. Okay. So this one I found, this comes from NPR. So Ooh, I found the story on NPR.org. This is the story of Randy Schieffer. And I'm going to read the whole story how it is because, you know, NPR writes way better than I could summarize it. So this is, the article is How a Near-Death Experience Could Change the Way You Live. And this is by Lee Hale. Thanks, Lee Hale. From NPR. Randy Schieffer remembers being woken up by his mother's screams at four in the morning. He was 16 years old at the time. It was 1969, and his family was staying at a hotel while on vacation in New Jersey. He ran toward the screams and found his father having a heart attack. He had some CPR training, so became some so he began some mouth-to-mouth resuscitations, but it wasn't working. He ran out into the hallway, pounding on doors, trying to get somebody to come out and help, but nobody did, Schieffer said. Schieffer's father died that night. He was devastated. What's worse is that every time he thought about his father, he would be consumed with feelings of guilt and fear. He'd think about him on that hotel floor, and then inevitably he'd think about his own eventual death. I would go into panic attacks, Schieffer said. I'd get that real tight in my chest, and the only way that I could control it is just try to settle myself down and say, okay, get it out of your head, get it out of your head. For Schieffer, death was a black wall, a question mark. That is, until he faced it himself. He had what's known as a near-death experience, which have been documented around the world and can lead people to change the way they live their lives. In March 2020. Oh, COVID times. Yes. Schieffer had what felt like a very oh, persistent no, flu. Oh, no. His doctor had told him he had just needed to rest, but as the days went on, his symptoms got worse. He tested for COVID-19 and was positive. Things deteriorated fast for Schieffer. He was rushed to a nearby hospital where he was put into a medically induced coma and placed on a heart-lung machine. He was unconscious for nearly a month, but he came through after a convalescent plasma treatment that his daughter, Lisa Schieffer, pushed for. He received the blood transfusion on a Friday, and by Sunday, the doctors were able to turn off the heart-lung machine that had been keeping him alive. My lungs had completely cleared by that Tuesday. My kidneys started to function fully again, and so did my liver, Schieffer said. After the medication wore off and Schieffer was steadily improving, his daughter was permitted to keep him company in the hospital room. Only after I was allowed at his bedside did he start communicating with me about what he experienced, she said. Near-death experiences can occur when someone faces a life-threatening situation such as a cardiac arrest or is under deep anesthesia. Some people have reported the feeling of leaving their body and observing their surroundings. For Schieffer, his journey started with what looked like an airplane fuselage. Schieffer said that there was a moment while he was in a coma when he remembers his consciousness awakening. He was traveling through a kind of tunnel with light streaming through like windows in an airplane. Beautiful, warm, loving light, Schieffer said. The tunnel brought him into a large room with arched windows and stained glass. It was also permeating with that same warm, loving light. Then Schieffer says a gentleman approached him and said he didn't belong there that he had to leave. He walked out through giant oak doors into an even more serene scene. I remember going through the doors and it took me out into a golden city and it was absolutely stunning, Schieffer said. 
When he first described the city to his daughter, Lisa, he said it was like Paris, but more beautiful, more pristine. He said the grass in the parks was a deeper green than anything on earth. And I've been to the highlands of Scotland, she first said. But this awestruck stroll took a turn when Schieffer realized he didn't know where he was or how to get back. He felt lost. I remember sitting down and I started to panic and I started to cry, he says. That feeling of warmth left him. He says he felt cold and scared. Suddenly, I looked over my shoulder and saw this big white staircase that rose up in the sky as far as you could see, says Schieffer. He began climbing the staircase, crawling on his hands and knees, and then he says someone called him by name, grabbed him by the shirt, and whisked him away. I remember going. I remember it going black, back to my little dark sedated world, Schieffer says. His daughter listened to Schieffer's story intently, but let him know that he hadn't traveled to any cities lately. In fact, he'd been in a coma in a hospital room for nearly a month, but he insisted the experience was real. When she offered up that it was probably a dream or hallucination from the heavy medication, that didn't sit right with Schieffer. My dreams were foggy and my hallucinations were just stupid. I saw nine dancing panda bears on the ceiling. <laughs> I knew you'd love that part. <laughs> Something I'd probably see. I know, right? <laughs> she first says, but this was so real. I was there. I was involved with my environment and I felt so much peace and love and acceptance more than I had ever felt before. Schieffer's daughter, Lisa, started noticing differences in her dad almost immediately after he got home. Like when he started opening up about that night, he watched his father die from a heart attack. My mom and I sat at the kitchen island and he just spoke, she says. He was telling us about it. As he was talking about that night in New Jersey, he asked his daughter to get an eye, to get an eyeglasses case from a closet. He took the glasses out and stared at them. He looked a little stunned as he told her that his, the last person to take them out of the case was his father. My dad was 16 when his father died, she says. He's almost 70 now. That tells you how long those glasses have just been sitting there in their case. This wasn't like Schieffer. He wasn't one to divulge emotional details, especially when it involved the deaths of loved ones. Pre-COVID, dad never talked about death. We didn't talk about dying. We didn't talk about God. We didn't talk about the afterlife, Lisa Schieffer says. We didn't talk about any of that. It was moments like this that caused her to think differently about what her dad had shared in the hospital. She began seeing his near-death experience as what it was for him, something real. What we know about near-death experiences. Experiences like Schieffer's aren't uncommon. Researchers have found that between 10 and 20% of people who have had documented cardiac arrest, that is, when their hearts stop, will report a near-death experience, says Dr. Bruce Grayson, professor emeritus of psycho psychiatry and neurobehavioral sciences at the University of Virginia. They have a big study for this thing there at That's University so cool. of Virginia. I've seen it pop up a couple of times while I've been Go University of Virginia. Woohoo! Grayson has been studying firsthand accounts like Schieffer's for about 50 years looking wow. for patterns. That's a long time. Right? The best definition we have is that it's a profound experience that many people have 
that includes enhanced thought processes, Grayson explains. Your thoughts are faster and clearer than usual. You have a sense of being in a timeless state, and you often have a review of your entire lives. It includes strong emotions like a sense of overwhelming peace and well-being, a sense of oneness with everything, an experience of unconditional love, a sense of being outside the physical body, he adds. Most surprising to Grayson is that people can see things in their near-death experiences that will later be corroborated as accurate, like certain tools, <laughs> you're shaking your head, you're like, yes, like certain tools used during open heart surgery or conversations that happened while they were unconscious or pronounced dead during. A couple of things that I read, there were uh, people that were while they were being resuscitated and they were dead yeah. at the moment. There was a woman who accurately could tell uh, the nurse had plaid uh, shoelaces on. Oh, and wow. she said, my nurse had plaid shoelaces. Or another man was like, when I was being resuscitated, the nurse took my dentures out and put them here in this mm -hmm. place where he could not have known that no. if he wasn't astral projecting and, and, seeing, and everything. seeing everything that happened. That's so right? crazy. It's really interesting. But most significant to Grayson is what comes after a near-death experience. I've got story after story of people who couldn't go back to the same profession, people who were, say, career police officers who couldn't shoot after a near-death experience. Oh, of I could see that. Right? Of people who were in competitive businesses who no longer felt it was meaningful to get ahead at someone else's expense. Good. Right? I think that's a really beneficial thing. <laughs> I think so, too. Grayson says these people often change their careers or make other dramatic life lifestyle changes. That was Schieffer's experience. Along with a willingness to discuss death freely, he was open to talking about all sorts of existential questions. He also started to dig deeper into his family's Christian faith and began praying regularly. As a result, he says he's become a better version of himself. Aw, good. I, I know, isn't that sweet? Look at his picture. Isn't he sweet? Aw. I'm much more open, much more welcoming, much more understanding than I was before. I think much more loving as a husband and father as I was before, Schieffer says. Look at his nurse. She looks so I know, so she's so happy. happy. Oh, I love that. Good job, man. Well, way to make your life better. Right? Adjusting to the new Randy. Aww. Before his brush with death, Lisa Schieffer says her dad seemed a little lost, just going through the motions, but now he has a newfound energy. He's excited and optimistic, and he loves sharing his near-death experience with anyone who is curious. He loves talking about it, which is good for him. I'm glad he has a hobby, yeah. she laughs. But the adjustment for her hasn't been easy. For one, each time she hears her dad's story, it takes her back to the most terrifying few weeks of her life. Sleepless nights spent worrying about whether she'd get the dreaded call from the hospital. Mm. It's not exciting for me to sit back and listen and be reminded of how my dad almost died, she says. I can see that. Right? That's pretty sad. And she was so grateful they were one of the lucky ones whose family members came home. But there was still a period of mourning. Mm. She says her dad has always been her best friend. So even though this transformation she was witnessing was a good thing, she missed the pre-COVID version of him. Mm. The one who was a little short-tempered and closed <laughs> off at times. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that funny. Well, I mean, if you grew up with I, your dad true, one true, way, true. you kind of changed like, it. You know, but a change for the 
better. It did change for the better. Isn't that a sweet picture? It's very sweet. I love that. Selfishly, I felt very alone, Lisa Schieffer said. I felt very hurt and frustrated. I would think, I just want you to go back to pre-COVID. <laughs> I want to have my dad here, and I want to pretend like these six weeks had never happened. Schieffer came home more than two years ago, and the family has since found a new rhythm. His daughter moved to Florida permanently to be a short drive from her parents. Aww. But Grayson says that some families don't make it through an experience like this one. Often they can't accept the changes, Grayson says. They feel they don't have the same values in common anymore. Mm, I can see that. Right? Regardless of whether or not a loved one wants to validate a near-death experience as real, they often can't ignore the real changes that come from them. Some of these changes have caused Grayson to rethink preconceived notions. I was raised in a scientific household, and I didn't believe any of this stuff before I started encountering it, Grayson says. But after 50 years of studying thousands of cases, I can't deny that they happen and they profoundly affect people's lives and present us with things that we don't have materialistic explanations for. Grayson says that uncertainty didn't always sit well with him, but he's learned mm. to embrace it. It becomes like an old friend, Grayson says, probably because near-death experiencer after near-death experiencer has told me that the universe is a friendly place. It's nothing to be frightened of. And the fact that you don't know the answer doesn't mean there isn't one, that there's something that's greater than us that is in control of things. I can't say that I believe that, but I certainly have absorbed the feeling that this is a safe place to be. For Schieffer, his explanation is simple. He's no longer afraid to talk about death because he's no longer afraid of death. Hmm. The panic attacks that used to plague him have stopped. And if you ask Schieffer why he's no longer afraid of death, he puts it this way. I've been there. I've been there. I've experienced it. It's so wild. Right? Uh, I thought that was like a really sweet good story yeah how to explain it it's it is kind of I, I didn't think about the fact that it would change relationships right that's something I totally didn't even like cross my radar I was like oh yeah so they come back as totally different people so if your person is like had a really good experience and but was a grumpy person in life right? <laughs> and they come back completely opposite Maybe that's for the better, but some people like this daughter is she's just completely used to that, you know. Yeah, he's different now. Yeah. And so it's hard when you grew up right. with your dad being one way. Specific personality. And he's and not now that it's way a totally anyway. different dad. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to adjust to yeah. changes. We don't like change. No, we really don't. We really don't. As human beings, we don't. And so when you come across that, somebody changes or your life changes or whatever, right. it's a huge adjustment and right. you have to deal with Gotta it. Gotta be flexible. Yeah. Good so. thing I'm a positive person. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about some non-positive experiences I like that it. happen I'm with us. I'm scared, but excited. So this comes from the National Library of Medicine. This is distressing near-death experiences, and this is kind of the basics of mm. it. So this is a, a study that kind of goes through, and I'm going to go through this quickly because we're going to start running long here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're starting to run long. Oh That's my goodness, okay. I have so much more I want to talk about. We, maybe we can do a part we two. We will do multiple parts okay. of this. I think it's very fascinating. I think so too. So we're going to talk about some distressing things. Now, what I found fascinating about this is that some of these experiences are similar to positive ones mm. and they're the person that's experiencing this is not seeing it in a positive light. So 
you'll see what I mean as we go through it. Okay. So these are varieties of distressing near-death experiences. We've documented three types of distressing NDE, inverse, void, and hellish. (laughs) The brief descriptions below illustrate the types. All examples are from the author's files unless otherwise indicated. So the inverse NDE, in some NDEs, features usually reported in in other NDEs as pleasurable are perceived as hostile or threatening. So this is what I mean. A lot of people experience things in a positive light. These people experience them in a negative light. Okay. A man thrown from his horse found himself floating at treetop height, watching emergency medical technicians working over his body. It's that astral mm-hmm. projection. So that's part of it. Yeah. Right. That's a part of it. No, no, this isn't right. He screamed, put me back. But they did not hear him. Next, he was shooting through darkness toward bright light, flashing past shadowy people who seemed to be deceased family members waiting. He was panic stricken by the bizarre scenario and his inability to affect what was happening. Does that make sense? Of course. You can't do anything and you're you're floating and you're being thrown and hurtled through darkness right with, with instead of being loved you know ones it's he's like shadowy ex- being right he's not experiencing where we've seen those yes. that common experience yes. in a positive light no he's, he's scared out of his scared mind scared out of his mind okay. right so that's what the inverse is right here's another example a woman in childbirth felt her spirit separate from her body and fly into space at tremendous speed then saw a small ball of light rushing toward her it became bigger and bigger as it came toward me i realized that we were on a collision course and it terrified me i saw the blinding white light come right to me and engulf me hmm. So it's not a loving light. <laughs> She's not experiencing it as a warm, white, loving light. Nope. She's like, ah, it's yeah. going to. It's too much for yeah, her. Yeah, it's too much. A woman collapsed from hypothermia and began re-experiencing her entire life. I was filled with such sadness and experienced a great deal of depression. Aww. Whereas most people f- experience that as an objective sure, thing where they're looking back everything. and they're watching it. But because they're surrounded by so much love, they're getting comforted by choices that they made. Mm-hmm. That may Maybe not this have person been good. didn't have a great life. Oh. I don't know. So Didn't make the greatest choices. Maybe. Right. Interesting. So here's the void. This is the negative experience with the void. Ooh, okay. An NDE of the void is an ontological encounter with a perceived vast emptiness, often a devastating scenario of aloneness, isolation, and sometimes annihilation. A woman in childbirth found herself abruptly flying over the hospital and into deep, empty space. A group of circular entities informed her that she never existed, that she had been allowed to imagine her life, but it was a joke. She was not real. She argued with the facts about her life and descriptions of Earth. No, they said, none of that had ever been real. This is all there was. She was left alone in space. Oh, no. (laughs) Right? So, and I'm comparing this with our wonderful firefighter who had the pigment experience, Right. right? Right. Where they're like, oh, you don't remember us, where it seems like what we're doing here on earth is a choice and is an experience for us to kind of go through, make choices. Exactly. And see things. And she's getting this experience where these beings are telling her that's not real. Real is what we have here. You were just 
in that experience. Right. Like what we're doing here on Earth is assimilation. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't ready for that no, message. Her brain wasn't wasn't comprehending everything. Right. So I thought that was an interesting one. Another woman in childbirth. All these women in childbirth. I man, know. That's so sad. Felt herself floating on water. But at a certain point, it was no longer a peaceful feeling. It had become pure hell. Ugh. I had become a light out into the heavens. And I was screaming, but no sound was going forth. It was worse than any nightmare. I was spinning around and I realized that this was eternity. This was what forever was going to be. I felt the aloneness, the emptiness of space, the vastness of the universe, except for me, a mere ball of light screaming. I don't like it. I don't like that one either. So, okay, but do they... Do they link why these people have such negative effects after their NDEs? I don't think we have any answers for that because we don't have an answer for what really is going on with these NDEs. It just scares me to think that maybe these people going into the void think that's what life is after. Right. So they're with their hardcore belief. I mean, I know that some of these people that have the good ones don't. I mean, they're just, they don't even know. They don't even want to do it like that last one. It's like, death is not cool. But like, right? maybe in some capacity in their like subconscious that they think after death, there's nothing. Yeah. So they might, that might be the way that their brain is able to interpret it, interpret what's happening right. after death. Yeah. And because it's not really their time yet, they don't have sure. Maybe that's it. The ability to yeah. process everything that's yeah. happening, and Ugh. to know what's going on. I know, but that's so it's scary. Tough. It's scary. I don't want to be the void, right? So here's <laughs> another void story. We have a couple more. A woman who attempted suicide felt herself sucked into a void. I was being drawn into this dark abyss or tunnel or void. I was not aware of my body as I know it. I was terrified. I felt terror. I had expected nothingness. I expected the big sleep. I expected oblivion. And I found now that I was going to another plane and it frightened me. I wanted nothingness, but this force was pulling me somewhere I didn't want to go. But I never got beyond the fog. Okay. Well, that one's a little different. Right. So like you're saying, this one's just because maybe they, they, it wasn't their time. So, you know, they're waiting. Right. They don't know She exactly. was expecting absolutely nothing. Right. Because that's what she wanted. And then, so her fear is that, oh, crap, there's something else now. <laughs> so that was an interesting one. Yeah. And then here's another one. A man who was attacked by a hitchhiker felt himself rise out of his body. I suddenly was surrounded by total blackness floating in nothing but black space with no up, no down, left or right. What seemed like an eternity went by. I fully lived in this misery. I was only allowed to think and reflect. So this is, to me, that moment of traveling Mm. to the light when you're kind of re-experiencing your life and your choices. Sure. But because he didn't go all the way. Yeah. He's just kind of in that... Yeah, he was in the void. These people never made it beyond the void to the light or whatever, you know. Okay, so so there's some hope. (laughs) (laughs) There's hope. I just find these interesting because 
first of all, these experiences are very similar to what everybody else seems exactly. to be experiencing. There's they're a just stopping in, in different spots. Right. But their personal reaction to what's going on is what is scary. Sure. It's very different. Yeah. So let's go into the hellish indie uh-uh. now. Okay, go. <laughs> I'm really curious. Right. Overtly hellish experiences may be the least common type of distressing NDE. So not as common, which is good. Okay. Right? A man in heart failure felt himself falling into the depths of the earth. At the bottom was a set of high rusty gates, which he perceived as the gates of hell. Panic stricken, he managed to scramble back up to daylight. (laughs) Right? A woman was being escorted through a frighteningly desolate landscape and saw a group of wandering spirits. They looked lost and in pain, but her guide indicated she was not allowed to help them. The further. The further, right? Interesting. An atheistic university professor with an intestinal rupture experienced being maliciously pinched, then torn apart by malevolent beings. That one's like crazy to me. <laughs> I have so to reread it. I'm looking at I'm like an <laughs> atheistic university professor with an intestinal rupture. But see, okay, being torn apart, maybe that rupture just kind of that was a symbol in his head when he. Well, know. so what I'm thinking is, yes. So what I'm thinking is maybe he was experiencing the doctor's trying yes. to put him back together yes. so he was kind of feeling that moment right but then his brain interpreted something completely right worse that's what i think but you never know but we don't know because we don't know uh here's another one a woman who hemorrhaged from a rupture ruptured fallopian tube oh, oh my gosh ouch reported an nde involving horrific beings with gray gelatinous appendages grasping and clawing at me The sounds of their guttural moaning and the indescribable stench still remains 41 years later. There was no benign being of light, no life video, nothing beautiful or pleasant. Oh, this poor woman. Right. So to me, these feel like they're still stuck in the physical world and part of them is leaving, but they're not quite. I don't know. I don't know. Explain that one. Okay. Here's another one. The, The the horrific gray gelatinous appendages. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I don't know. That's pretty uh, specific. Right? It is. A woman who attempted suicide felt her body sliding downward in a cold, dark, watery environment. When I reached the bottom, it resembled the entrance to a cave with what looked like webs hanging. I heard cries, wails, moans, and the gnashing of teeth. I saw these beings that resembled humans with the shape of a head and body, but they were ugly and grotesque. They were frightening and sounded like they were tormented in agony. Okay, so this one, <laughs> this one I can think of. It, let's say this. I don't know. I don't know the background of this person, but suicide in most of these Christianity uh, religions uh, is bad. Is looked upon as very bad. Right. So maybe in the back of her mind, because she didn't go all the way fully through that, that she, that's, it kind of got you know caught part way, thinking that maybe that suicide attempt was a very bad thing, and that's where she thought she was probably going to go. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But these are examples of NDEs gone wrong. (laughs) I don't want to go that way. No, I don't either. But I think as long as I, I don't know why we, nobody knows why their experiences. But it sounds like most people 
don't and do the negative. Most people have positive yeah. ones. There's a very small percentage Interesting. That the majority have negative ones. Okay. Or they'll go through a pot like the positive path, but it feels negative to them in some way. Because they're so panicked. And a very, very short few have that hellish experience. I came across one story and I don't know if I I have it in this podcast, but I'll, I'll briefly go through it. But I came across one story where a man had a negative encounter and he went to, he went down. He described it as kind of going down into this, this area. Mm -hmm. And there was a man there who um, was like, you're not supposed to be here. You need to go. And and so he was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go. Leave. But before <laughs> be he here. left, he saw that there were pots that were boiling, and he didn't know how they were boiling. And then the man touched him, and the man was causing those pots to boil because the man was basically on fire because the man burned him with his touch. And he was like, oh, it's the man that's making these pots boil. And when he came back, back into his body he had a burn on his arm no! when the man touched him. that was an interesting one that i came across don't like it yes i don't like it at all <laughs> so i've come across some other really interesting stories to just kind of like solidify these and again maybe we'll do i know we're going long on this i was going to tell so many stories so we'll do a part, part two, two yeah, yeah where it's just stories okay um but i came across some stories from India that I want to share that I thought were really interesting because these people had experiences that left them marked on the other side. So let me, let me pull it up just a second. So uh, while she's bringing this up, so it reminds me again of the reincarnation episode I did about the twins. Do you remember that one? Yes. Where they came back and they had the same scars scars as their sisters. Birthmarks. Yes. So they left and came back. See that? Yes. So a lot of the stories that I found in this one case study. So this is a case study uh, done by the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease. And this was in 19, let me see, 1986 was when this study was put together. And this is near-death experiences in India. And this was uh, put together by Satwant Par, uh, so I'm going to say your name wrong. I'm We're so sorry. sorry. Satwant Pasrika and Ian Stevenson. <laughs> and Ian Stevenson. <laughs> Ian Stevenson. <laughs> that one I got. That one I got. Yeah. Oh, I'm so bad. No, okay. okay. So they, they obtained reports of 18 cases of NDEs in India. And they eliminated from their study two of the cases on the grounds that the data for them was too scanty to be included in the analysis or comparison with the other cases. Mm-hmm. But of the remaining 16, they interviewed the, they interviewed the subject in 10 and firsthand informant of five. So they were able to interview quite a few of these subjects here. And um, let me go through some of these cases with you. A lot of them had very similar uh, experiences where they were taken to meet their gods. Mm. So they were escorted into a room where they were with three gods. One of the gods that came up quite often was Yamraj, and that's the Hindu god of the dead. So Yamraj was the one that mainly... 
um, would say, yes, this is the right person or no, this is the wrong person and send them back uh-huh. or forth. So a lot of the times it was mistaken identity. So Yamraj was the, is the Hindu god of the dead. And so he was usually the one that was saying, this is the, you've brought me the wrong person. You need to bring me this other person. In most of these cases, they would say, you've brought me so-and-so the gardener. I needed so-and-so the whatever a different person person right not so-and-so the gardener but so-and-so the Uh, physician (laughs) okay and so so so-and-so the gardener would go back into their life and then Mm -hmm. they would find out that another person that had the same name that had that occupation had died oh my gosh isn't that interesting so a lot of the stories from from this study in india had that effect that's so i did as i was reading this again i realized the story that i told about the man who went to hell that had that boil that was a guy from india and here's another one this is the case of dorga jatov we interviewed dorga jatov a man approximately 50 years old in november 1979 and again three months later about 30 years before he had been ill for several weeks suffering from what had been diagnosed as typhoid When his body became cold for a couple of hours, his family thought he had died. He revived, however, and on the third day following this, he told his family he had been taken to another place by 10 people. He tried to escape, but they had then cut off his legs at the (gasps) knees to prevent his escape. Ah! (laughs) He was taken to a place where there were tables and chairs and 40 or 50 people sitting. He recognized no one. They looked at his papers, saw that his name was not on their list, and said, Why have you brought him here? Take him back. To this, Durga had replied, How can I go back? I don't have feet. I don't have legs. He was then shown several pairs of legs. (laughs) He recognized his own, and they were somehow reattached. (laughs) He was then sent back with the instructions not to, quote-unquote, stretch or bend his knees so that they could mend. Durga's older sister, whom we interviewed, corroborated his account of his apparent death and revival. Durga's sister and a neighbor noticed a few days after he revived that marks had appeared on his knees that there had previously been no such marks there. These folds or deep fissures in the skin on the front of Durga's knees were still visible in 1979. 30 years later, right? What the heck, man? There was no bleeding or pain in the knees other than the discomfort in engendered by Durga's following the instructions to keep his knees in a fixed position. X-ray photographs that we had taken in 1981 showed no abnormality below the surface of the skin. Durga had not heard of such experiences before his own NDE. He did not see his physical body from some other position in space. He said that afterward, the experience seemed like a dream. Nevertheless, he claimed that it had strengthened his faith in God. Isn't that interesting? Ah! One informant for this case, the headman of the village where Durga lived, said that at the time of Durga's experience, another person by the same name had died in Agra, about 30 kilometers away. However, neither Durga nor his older sister were able to confirm the statement. But that was a common thing that happened in India. They would say, "Bring, why have you brought me this person of the same name, that of a different insane. occupation, it's the wrong one? And then they'd find out that that person had died. How do you 
you get the wrong person? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> if you think you people like after we die that they would have things like their ducks in a row, but apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> They're human too, right? <laughs> no, I know. They're like you've brought me the wrong person. Wrong Bring person. Me this one and send him back. He but I thought that was back. interesting that this this one person had marks on their knees. Yeah, in that's this case. creepy. And then the man with the boil yes, had the mark had the mark on his arm too. Not cool. Still there. Interesting, right? Not cool. So physical representation of the NDE that happens after, you know, Not in all the physical them, but world. Very but some. Yeah, very there's, few. There's some. Uh, in I don't like it. Interesting. So there's so much yes. more and I have so many more stories that I want to dive into, but we're running long. So we will save that for another time. Ooh, we'll do part, we got two part two. I yeah. love it. We'll this do is great. Lots of stories of NDEs. Okay. Deal. And if you guys have any questions or have had your own experiences or know people that have had experiences with NDEs, we want to hear about them. So you can email us at the stitch at gmail.com. You can also jump over to our Podbean and see any notes or pictures or anything from this episode or any previous episodes that you might want to re-explore. There's also a little button in the upper right corner. Push that button. Push that button. Be <laughs> become a patron today. Yay! If you like our little podcast and you want to show us some love and support, we would very much appreciate having you join our little patron army. We do release patron episodes. We released another one recently. We do send you things. We give you shout outs. We love our patrons. We, we love interacting with you guys. Thank so you, patrons. Please contact us. Either become a patron or send us an email or jump on any of our social medias and just say, hey. Yep. And, and say hi we want to hear from you thanks that we're listening to you okay i'm tired <laughs> you did great okay we will come back with a part two at a later date but we will. i i think this is such a fascinating topic and there's amazing. so much yeah. to, to discuss and to learn yeah good job yeah and this another thing that sparked this interest was that i think i mentioned it a few podcasts ago is um, surviving death it's a it's a series on netflix i believe yeah yeah, so watch that. It has some really interesting NDE stories as well. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so we have one more thing we need to do. One more thing. It's movie time. This week's movie review is Final Destination 2. It was released in 2003, IMDb rating of 6.2 stars, and the synopsis. Kimberly has a premonition of an accident killing multiple people, including her and her friends. She blocks the cars behind her on the ramp, and as a police trooper arrives, the accident happens. Death is stalking this group of survivors. Yay! <laughs> Angela's like, let's watch Final Destination 2. I'm like, okay. Yeah, we should have, like, I should have thought about it more. No, and we no, should have watched Flatliners. No, it's fitting because obviously it's all about near death and death chasing people but death is totally the hellish way apparently in this one yeah no no going on to the light in this no one, this no. one's like death has a plan just like the first one yeah this was such a ripoff from it's the so different i thought the first final destination was really fun and then i know that there's multiple final destinations oh, after so that more. they're just cash grabs i don't I, it it was fun fine there were moments that were 
fun. I mean, they always try to make uh, the deaths exciting, insanely elaborate, <laughs> so and weird. you don't really know where they're coming from. Yeah, but. There was nothing original in it. I think the plot of it was kind because of... Because it's been done. Yeah, I think the plot of it was kind of just, you know, I don't know. I mean, yes, it's been done, but it they could have... different. The way that they tried to change it, like, oh, we can cheat death. Yeah. And, you know, she, I don't know. I don't like the way that they tried to change it. I think they could have kept going with it with a new set of characters and... Well, that's what they did. These were all new people. They had Ellie Larder come back. She was the only one that survived. (laughs) She can't come back no more. Spoiler Spoiler alert. alert. We just found out. It was funny when I was researching this a little bit that the first one was directed by James Wan, who was amazing. Yeah, no wonder why that one was good. Yeah. (laughs) Second one is... Fell short. Yeah, David Ellis. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun premise because instead now it's it's a, a car incident and a big car wreck, which actually that scares me half to death anyway. Driving, I hate that. Yeah, car accidents are the worst. But the fact that they, <laughs> the fact that they're like, it's it's again main character. She thinks she can cheat death. It's going backwards now. It's yeah. so and then but the deaths were so cheesy, elaborate. That was the funny. Like you're like, what's gonna happen this time? Yeah. And oh, pigeons. Oh no, no glass. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we we're talking no. about the little kid in the dentist reminding us of finding Nemo. finding Nemo yeah that was really funny uh, yeah interesting but yeah I, it was okay it was okay yeah yeah it wasn't it I think it could have been better it feels like it was like let's try to get some more money and turn this into a franchise hopefully the ones after it are better a lot of times like what they call the sophomore Oh, the second happens. one. Yeah. yeah, the second one's not nearly as good because they are trying to do the first one, but like bigger and more elaborate. And then they, if a franchise usually will find its footing in the next like couple ones, I don't know. I haven't. I've only seen these two. So I was I gonna know. say. I think I've seen. I, I know think, there's a roller coaster one. Yep, the I've next seen one? that one. That was number three. We're just going over all of them. Number four. I think I think i saw but yeah there's like the oh, it goes final. up to five <laughs> and i don't remember it unfortunately yeah i don't know yeah but anyway this this one was okay but it like you said it's, it's free it's fine you can watch free. it on tv right. so, so check it out pluto, if you haven't. Pluto. pluto yeah yeah check it out if you haven't and then you might get into all of them at some point just for fun just yeah. put it on the background because you all know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's very 2000s with like the oh, low yeah. jeans. The, the like, style. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it was fun. very funny. And like the Rachel haircut. Yeah. And, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Main character had it. And like she was so mean to Ali Larder. And I'm sorry, but like right? I feel like they were totally interfering and helping death with all these situations. Like, I had a premonition that you're going to die this way. And I feel like they just accelerated a lot of the deaths instead of trying to prevent Prevent. them. I think that's the natural thing to do, though, is that once you see it, you're like, well, I got to tell this person, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. the 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 funny one that uh, the the first one when it was when he didn't he win a million when when the oh lottery. yeah he won the lottery and died the next day <laughs> yeah isn't it ironic <laughs> <laughs> don't you think it's like <laughs> sorry 
I had to. Okay. <laughs> but it's hilarious because it just, it reminded me of the first one, but in a way more cheesier way of. of yeah. Cause it's like the bathtub one because yes. you're like, you see the water coming out. Like, oh, oh, he's going to electrocute himself. Oh, it's and the sharp like, oh, scissors. No, it's and that. It's, yeah. No, it's that. Yeah. And so he goes through a series of dumb things where he spills oil dumb and then ways to die. die. <laughs> yeah. He slips on the spaghetti. He breaks the microwave. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, fine. It's fun. It was fun. I would watch it if you haven't watched them, but just be yeah. prepared. It's not the same as it's the first one. It's not as good as the first one. Yeah. It's still fun. Yeah. There's still moments that are going to make you laugh. Like, I was laughing. Yeah, right? I like it, I like it when they make me laugh instead of, like, just yes, just cringe and upset. Horror. But, yeah. And uh, the, cheesy, the cheesy twist at the end. That was, yeah. Too much. Yeah, it was too much. But, but they yeah. have to keep it going. And I'm like, okay. I don't understand the age of the main character, Kimberly. Is she in college or is she in high school? I think that she's on her way to college, right? I think well, at she's the beginning, spring break Daytona. Yeah. She's going to D- Daytona, Daytona for spring break. Yeah. So uh, maybe she, she's community college. Is she in college? I'm hoping that she's in college and not high school because she has that weird relationship with a cop. And I'm like, right? where is it's her dad yes. throughout this whole thing? Because I'm like, she, her mom died. We found out that her mom had died. Right. And it's just her and her dad. And like her dad is like shows up hours after the car accident. Right. And all of her friends die. She doesn't care about her friends dying. Oh, she right. wants to help everybody else. <laughs> She's not mourning them at all. And I'm like this is such a weird relationship. I, me personally, I would be like hauled up in my house and not trying to run no. around and, and with a cop and trying to solve everybody is like problems. Death. Death. Yeah. I don't know. But you know, then there wouldn't be a movie. Exactly. But, you know. Stop writing the movie. Like, these, there were so <laughs> many cars that were supposed to be involved in the accident. Why right. is it just these people? That, I don't know. Because they all got on the freeway at the same time. Well, we found out later when they're in the car. One of it's them. because they were all supposed to have died That's already. right. That's right. From the first one. Yeah. And That's so, dumb. yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we're just so tired. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. It's a fine movie. It's many, fun well, if you want to laugh. How many stitches would you give it? Uh, three. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's low. What, what did IMDb give it? 6.2. Yeah, like, 6.2? Yeah. I mean, okay, fine. We'll bump it up to like four and a half. <laughs> it's fine. You bumped it up because of everybody else. You can stick with your three. That's totally I, fine. I mean, I watched it. I laughed. Yeah. It was very predictable and it was fine. It was like, okay. It was okay. Yeah. I think if you're in that mood to watch the sequence, then sure, go ahead and do it. Yeah. I think, I think if you're marathoning right. them. Yeah. Do it. You're okay to go through yeah. it. Yeah, it's fine. You could stitch to it. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah, that that's yeah. good to be in the background. Yeah, I give it a four. You made me change <laughs> mine. <laughs> I didn't say you had to change it. That's why I was laughing at you. You don't have to change it. You're like that's low. That's low. <laughs> four. I give it a four. Like it's, it's like uh, it's not one of my favorites, and but it's a horror movie, and sure yeah. had some elements to it. So I'll watch it maybe again. It made me laugh. It had yeah, some creative it was funny. elements and yeah. But nothing, a lot of nothing special. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this was an exciting episode. Yeah. Good job, Angela. Thank you, Stitchers, for sticking out with us. And until next time, we'll see you, Stitchers. See you, Stitchers. (laughs) 